This is Radio Health Journal. I'm Reed Pence. This week, why a COVID vaccine won't change our lives just yet. It will take perhaps a year for us to vaccinate everyone who wants to be vaccinated. We need to be prepared not to quit doing the things that we're doing to protect ourselves. How the vaccine will roll out when Radio Health Journal returns. I'm Nancy Benson, host of Radio Health Journal. If you enjoy listening to Radio Health Journal, you'll also like our sister show, Viewpoints, which covers a wide array of topics from education to history to the environment. Here's a preview of what they're covering this week on Viewpoints. We found out that the person on whom we were conducting a background check had lied about his name and had been involved in a fraud that he had tried to cover up previously. The life of a private eye. Then, 1,400 years of spelling history, we've never had any rules for new words coming into English or created in English. The many flaws of the English language. I'm Marty Peterson. And I'm Gary Price. These stories in-depth this week on your public affairs magazine, Viewpoints. Listen to Viewpoints on your favorite radio station and subscribe and listen to shows anytime on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Throughout the COVID-19 pandemic, a stubborn minority of people have been either unwilling or unable to stick to the rules for slowing the spread of the disease. That makes a vaccine the major hope for returning life to some semblance of normal. Billions of dollars are being spent on vaccine development, but when one or more vaccines are finally approved, will we be ready to roll them out? I can almost guarantee you that the process, no matter how swift, we on the vaccine development and distribution side think it is going. It's not going to be fast enough for everyone who will want to have a vaccine available at their corner pharmacy by the end of the week that the vaccine is announced to have been approved. So we have to level set expectations. That's Dr. Kelly Moore, Associate Director for Immunization Education at the Immunization Action Coalition. This is going to be, without doubt, the largest, most complex mass vaccination program ever attempted. It's an opportunity for tremendous success, but it poses its challenges. Some of those challenges uh, we don't yet fully understand because we're still waiting for answers from the clinical trials underway right now. So some of the issues around how well the vaccine will work, what the side effects might look like, and how exactly we will have to store and handle those vaccines are questions that are still in the process of being answered, which makes it even more challenging to prepare for distribution. This is remarkably ambitious. I think we have a very, very large job ahead of us, which will be quite complicated. Dr. William Schaffner is professor of preventive medicine and infectious diseases at the Vanderbilt University Medical Center. If it's a two-dose vaccine and we've got 300 million people in the United States, we'll need over 600 million doses, which is a stupendous amount. So this immunization program, which kind of in the average layperson's mind is going to start quickly and comprehensively actually will be staged and will go over many, many, many 
months. However, it's not for want of trying. Schaffner says vaccine makers are taking extraordinary steps to get a vaccine to the public quickly. For example, by manufacturing millions of doses of vaccines that haven't even been approved yet, on the off chance that they will be approved. We would usually wait until we see if the vaccine works before we make it. But we are already producing these vaccines, stockpiling them in warehouses such that Assuming the vaccine works and is safe, we can then start the immunization program very, very quickly. Now, of course, if the vaccine doesn't work, we've just lost a lot of money and we have to trash that vaccine. So the idea would be that once there is approval, we'd have some vaccine ready almost immediately to go out and be administered. But it would probably be maybe 20 million doses, not hundreds of millions of doses. So, you know, the rollout isn't going to be all of a sudden it'll be coming out in smaller batches. That's Dr. Marcus Plesha, chief medical officer of the Association of State and Territorial Health Officials. He agrees there are too many variables to know how quickly people will be able to get a vaccine. But experts are trying to work around all the roadblocks. Moore says one way is by not using the normal way of making vaccines, a slow 70-year-old method that relies on chicken's eggs. We're using new strategies to make these vaccines, and some of those new strategies are actually faster to produce than some of the old technology for vaccine manufacturing. As an example, the mRNA vaccine, the messenger RNA vaccines that are currently being made by Moderna and Pfizer, for example, among others. But those are the two that are currently in clinical trials. Well, it turns out that mRNA vaccines are relatively easy and quick to make. So unlike some vaccines that may take months and months to manufacture, these vaccines can be produced in large quantities in relatively short order. But despite all those efforts, a vaccine won't bail us out in a few weeks or even months. How soon depends on a lot of variables. Schaffner says he's told people that reality, and once it sinks in, they're not very happy about it. Just because the vaccine becomes available, I'm making this up, on February 1st, does not mean on February 1st you can trash your mask. You're going to have to continue to wear it, and we're going to have to maintain social distancing for months. Boy, that's news that's not well received. It could take quite some time before everybody gets their two doses of vaccine who wants it. In the meantime, this virus will continue to circulate. And so since we know the virus will continue to circulate, and we know it's going to take several months to vaccinate a large percentage of the population, we need to be prepared not to quit doing the things that we're doing to protect ourselves the moment a vaccine is approved. Moore says the biggest if that we don't know yet is how well the vaccine works. A lot of people in their imagination when they think of a vaccine think of something like the measles vaccine that will protect 97% of people from catching measles after the two doses that were given in childhood, and it protects them for a lifetime. It's one of my favorite vaccines because it works so incredibly well. And you don't really have to think about measles if you're vaccinated. It's just not going to be an issue for you. Unfortunately, many vaccines are not that highly effective. They don't 
necessarily last a lifetime and they don't necessarily protect almost everyone who gets them. They provide great protection. They may reduce how seriously ill you might get if you got sick. And they may not last a lifetime. They may last a year, two years, five years. So rather than comparing a new COVID vaccine to an almost perfect measles vaccine, Moore suggests we think of something like the flu vaccine. Influenza vaccines we use every year because the virus changes a little bit each year. So we need to keep updating our vaccines. And that vaccine works somewhere between 40% and 60% of the time in preventing you from catching influenza. So if you want to cut your chances of catching influenza illness by 40 to 60%, then you get an influenza vaccine. But you also understand that you might still catch influenza, but it's cut your chances in half and it's probably going to mean you'll have a milder illness than you otherwise would have. Clinical trials should show how effective COVID vaccines are, but Schaffner and other public health experts believe they'll end up somewhere between the flu and measles vaccines. Moore says that should be enough to slow the virus down. When you have even a vaccine that doesn't completely prevent disease, but maybe cuts your chances in half, which is our minimum threshold for effectiveness for these vaccines. That's the minimum acceptable level is that it will cut your chances of catching COVID-19 in half. So if it only reaches the minimum, even half the population is vaccinated, you're going to see a tremendous difference in the spread of COVID-19 across the country, especially if people continue to be careful about their behaviors. If they continue to avoid very high-risk, close, crowded settings. If they continue to wash their hands, stay home when they're sick and wear masks, then combining that with a vaccine on top of it will really, really slow this virus down. However, not everyone is going to get the COVID vaccine ever. So what public health experts are looking for is a high enough proportion vaccinated to create what's called herd immunity, which could help shut down transmission of the virus. But Plesha says it's unknown how many people need to be immunized to do that. We generally think that you get to herd immunity for this virus maybe when about 70% of the population is immune. So first of all, some people, by the time we roll out a vaccine, some people will be immune because they've had the infection and they've built their own natural immunity. And then getting other people to reach that level will depend a little bit on how effective the vaccine is. You know, let's say by the time the vaccine comes out, 20% of people are already immune naturally because they've had COVID. So then you really want to get another 50% of people to that state. And, you know, if the vaccine is only 50% effective, you know, if only in 50% of people does it bring about immunity, then, you know, you're going to have to immunize just about everybody in order to get half the people immune. But if it's more effective, then it won't take quite as many. One other roadblock? Once the vaccine is out, we still don't know where people can go to get it. Public health departments might be big distributors of COVID shots, which are intended to be given at no cost. So you might not go to your doctor's office or your local pharmacy the way you do for an annual flu shot. But can public health departments handle it? There are lots of logistical headaches. Two of the vaccines need to be stored at nearly 100 degrees below zero Fahrenheit. That takes expensive special freezers. 
The many different vaccines being developed also mean careful record-keeping, so the second dose people get will be the same kind as the first. We have a lot of people who have a lot of experience in this area, but there are unique features to the coronavirus vaccine program that do make it more challenging, the next level up in the game, if you will, in terms of what it will take to get this done right. Two doses per person is always more challenging than one because you need to get those people back in a second time. And if maybe their first dose caused them a little fever or a sore arm or they had a really inconvenient experience or unpleasant experience at the clinic for any reason, then they may be disinclined to return for that critical second dose. Unfortunately, public health is incredibly cash-strapped right now, and while the federal government has allocated billions for vaccine development, they've earmarked nothing for distribution. So Plesha says even simple things needed for immunizations might be in short supply. We need to make sure we have enough needles and syringes to give the vaccine with, and you know, then even simple things like alcohol wipes clean off a person's skin before they receive the vaccine. I mean, you would think we have enough of those things, but we've had so many challenges with testing and personal protective equipment that that could be a problem. And then actually that brings the issue of personal protective equipment. The people who are providing the vaccines are going to need to have masks and gowns and gloves. And we've had problems in the past with running low on those things. So all of these things could complicate the rollout of the vaccine. It is very hard right now for public health. They've been working tirelessly since February or March on COVID-19, and now they have to build a distribution system. So they need all the help they can get. But even if they get that help and everything goes as well as it could, the results might still disappoint. Schaffner says millions of people have underestimated the seriousness of COVID all along and overestimated the ease of getting past it. Returning to normal will take lots of time and lots of work. But even now, people are unprepared for that. Just as they weren't really well prepared after the shutdown opened up, they really thought that many people thought that they could go out and be carefree when they were still being asked to be careful. And that surprised and disappointed them. They were disturbed about that. They thought, Once we lock it up and open up, we can go back to the old normal. And I think there's a similar expectation once the vaccine becomes available. And I think we need to get a reality check out there. Otherwise, people will be once again disappointed. You can find out more about all of our guests on our website, RadioHealthJournal.org. I'm Reed Pence. More people are cooking and snacking at home than ever, and the arrival of fall brings a bounty of seasonal produce to revitalize these efforts, including fresh grapes from California. Registered dietitian Courtney Romano, health advisor for the California Table Grape Commission, has some tips for strategic snacking. Snacks are a great way to maintain energy and focus during the day. So keep nourishing options on hand, including fresh vegetables and fruits, such as grapes. Grapes are easy to eat, healthy and hydrating, and they provide energy and great taste just when you need it. Enjoy grapes on their own or pair them with nuts, cheese, or hard-boiled eggs for a heartier snack. Grapes from California are in season now. 
Heart-healthy grapes of all colors, red, green, and black, are a natural source of beneficial antioxidants and other polyphenols. Visit grapesfromcalifornia.com for more grape snacking ideas. A message from Greenstone, a Pfizer company. Most of us know about generic medications, drugs that work in the same way and provide the same clinical benefit as brand-name medications, often at a lower price. Most generics are made by a different manufacturer than the original brand, but there is also a lesser-known category of generic medications called authorized generics that are made by the same manufacturer of the brand-name drug. Authorized generics, like all generics, meet FDA quality and manufacturing standards. Authorized generics are the same as the brand-name drug and only differ in that they do not have the brand name on their labels and may have a different marking on the medication. In limited cases, they may have a different color. Authorized generics are not new. Greenstone has been supplying authorized generics for over 25 years. Talk to your pharmacist or visit greenstonegenerics.com to learn more and see if they manufacture an authorized generic version of the medication you take. As many as 89% of hospitalized COVID-19 patients are at risk of a complication called cytokine storm, a leading cause of COVID death. But there's good news. Hospitals across the U.S. are enrolling patients in a trial evaluating lenzilumab, a treatment candidate designed specifically to stop this storm, even with only one day of treatment. Dr. Cameron Durant, CEO of Humanogen, the company developing lenzilumab. Having a therapeutic that can significantly reduce the time to recovery from COVID-19 and send patients home earlier could dramatically impact the arc of this pandemic. Participating in the study means access to a potential treatment option in addition to standard of care therapies. Trial participant Mark Baranski shares his experience. I don't know if I received lenzilumab or not, but I viewed the trial as doing everything I could for my recovery while contributing to the fight against COVID-19. I certainly encourage others to do the same. To learn more and find this trial near you, visit StopStorm.com. That's StopStorm.com. And that's Radio Health Journal for this week. Radio Health Journal is a production of MediaTracks Communications. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to learn more. And check Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify for a library of past programs. Plus, you'll always find previous segments and information about our guests at RadioHealthJournal.org. Join us again next week for another edition of Radio Health Journal. Coming up next week on Radio Health Journal. You'd hear a car alarm and you'd be able to say, ah, oh, that's in G or G sharp or something like this. So absolutely no reference on being able to name musical notes seemingly out of thin air. Could there be millions of people who have perfect pitch and don't know it? Then the story of a black man who became an historic organ donor without his family's okay. His beating heart was removed and his kidneys were removed at the same time. And the heart was put into the chest of an ailing white man. All that and more on Radio Health Journal.